Amen. Thank you, Rachel. That was beautiful. We are doing a series on fact in a world of fiction. And uh, I'm actually going to look at some selected scriptures, but for our scripture reading, I want to look in Psalm 119, which is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. And all of Psalm 119 deals with God's Word. And uh, what I want to do for the Scripture, it's actually divided up. Uh, See how it's divided up in little sections? It's going through the Hebrew alphabet. And there's a section through all the Hebrew alphabet pertaining to God's Word. So let's, uh, for our Scripture reading, let's look at the first eight verses of Psalm 119. And we'll ask you to stand in God's honor as I read the text. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in His ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying Your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all Your commands I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be here, Lord, to worship you. And Father, we need your help, Father, that you might meet us here, Lord. Uh, you've touched us already, and we don't want that to stop. And so... I just ask for your anointing. I ask that you might speak far beyond what I say. And I ask that our hearts be open. And Father, just that we follow you as a result. God, we need you, Lord. And so, just speak. In your name we pray. Amen. In thinking about fact in a world of fiction, I want to talk this morning with an emphasis on Scripture a book that God has given to us containing His thoughts, His mind, His ways. And I guess to start this off, I wanted to have a little fun. This is actually from a, an actual test in a Catholic school. And there's some answers that were given. And it's funny, but in, in truth it's sad because people simply do not know what the Bible has to say. Um, I just picked 13 of these. There's a bunch more. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt during the day, but a ball of fire during the night. Secondly, Samson slayed the Philistines with the acts of the apostles. Third, Moses led the Jews to the Red Sea where they made unleavened bread, which is bread without any ingredients. Four, the Egyptians were all drowned in the desert. (laughs) Afterwards, Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. Fifth, the first commandment was when Eve told Adam to eat the apple. Sixth, the seventh commandment is thou shalt not admit adultery. Seven, the greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son S-O-N to stand still and he obeyed him. Eight, Solomon, one of David's sons, had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. 
Number nine, when Mary heard she was the mother of Jesus, she sang the Magna Carta. Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. (laughs) Eleven, St. John the blacksmith dumped water on his head. Twelve, the epistles were the wives of the apostles. Interesting. And then the last one, one of the apostles was St. Matthew, who also was a taxi man. And the actual answers that were given. And as we think about the scriptures this morning, I, well, I've got a lot to try to, to share, but I, I just want to give an overview and, and the importance of the scriptures. And uh, first, the very word Bible. It goes all the way back in the ancient times where they actually created a, a parchment from the papyrus reed and... Uh, the word from that in the language was biblos. Later, they took the ending of an old French, uh, an old French language, le, and it became Bible. And thus, in the Bible, we have God's truth that's given to us. Um, matter of fact, uh, you know, you may not know your way around the Bible, so don't feel bad about using the table of contents. So go ahead, if you have your Bible, open up to the table of contents. And you can see, like in my Bible, it has the books of the Old Testament. And then you go a little further down, and it has the books of the New Testament. Actually tells you the page number, where those are found. Uh, Very helpful. Uh, Oxford University Press actually counted the words in the King James Version and uh, came up with 810,697 words. Now, it was at a later point that they added the chapter breaks and the verse breaks. Can you imagine what it would be like to try to find John 3.16 without any chapter or verse breaks? What a blessing that uh, those are part of what we're able to study. Now, the old you have the two sections. You have the Old Testament, which is God's old covenant that was made with the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, a group He set apart. And then the New Testament, which was a covenant made with those who were born from above, who are part of God's family through Jesus Christ, which we describe as the church. And both of these are are prevalent. And uh, Augustine said that the old is revealed in the new and that the new is veiled in the old covenant. Scroggy uh, later on said this. He said, new is in the old contained and the old is in the new explained. Now, As we do an overview, you take the first five books of the Old Testament, and that's the law. first five books are often called the Pentateuch, and it's God's law that was given to His people. And then the next 12 books were historical. They give us a history of what He did in the lives of His people in the nation of Israel. And then you had the poetic books. And we think of the book of Psalms, which is the longest book in the Bible. And, you know, we tend to think that David wrote the book of Psalms, but he actually wrote about half the book of Psalms. There's actually a bunch of ancient songwriters that God used as that book was put together. And then there's the prophetic book. We talk about the major prophets and the minor prophets. And actually all that has to do is with the size of the, of the letters that were written. There's no major or minor prophets. God spoke through all of them. And then as you come to the end of the Old Testament, the last verse in Malachi, There is a a warning and a challenge. 
Let me exit. Let me start verse 5. He says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then there was 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New Testament when God would speak again to His people. And uh, thus we end up with the first four books of the New Testament that are biography of Jesus Christ. And instead of a, a like a movie, it's more like snapshots that are taken in each of those four biographies so that we get specific angles, specific scenes from his life. And that's why they're all different because, you know, they saw Jesus from different angles, from different snapshots of his life as they were able to see him and under. Stand him. Matthew saw him as king. Mark spoke of him as the ultimate servant. Luke wanted to emphasize the fact that although fully God, he's also a man as the genealogy goes back to Adam. And then John had no genealogy because he saw him as the son of God, as holy, as God himself. And then Acts is the only historical book that speaks of the history of God's people of the church And then you have 21 letters that give instruction, which we call doctrine, on on how to live, what we're to believe, and and, and how we're to follow God. gives us counsel in that. Um, As a matter of fact, 40 writers over 1,600 years. And this book has been compiled, say for us, having God's mind given to us on the written page could be divided up three ways in people. As you go through here, you can find your way through the Bible as you look at the characters, the people that God speaks to. And then you can look at it through the events. And then the truth, His truth that is contained there. And of course, the central theme of the Bible is salvation in Jesus Christ. Guys, if we read the Bible, if we study the Bible, and we miss Jesus as our hope, as a salvation. Now we've missed the whole point of the Bible. The Old Testament points to Jesus coming. It points to His sacrifice. It points to Him being the Messiah. And the New Testament looks back and gives us His teachings, shows us His finished work at Calvary, just shows us His, his work and, and, and how He loves us, guys. Matter of fact, the whole Bible speaks of Jesus. I don't know who wrote this, but I'm going to try to go through it. It's pretty lengthy, but it talks about how every book of the Bible speaks of Jesus. It says in Genesis, He is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, He is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, He's our high priest. In Numbers, He's the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. In Deuteronomy, He's the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, He's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, He's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, He's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, He's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, He's our reigning king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, He's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther and Job, He's our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, He's our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, He's our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, He's our lover and bridegroom. In Isaiah, He's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, He's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, He's our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, He's our wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, He's the fourth man in life's fiery furnace. In Hosea, He's the faithful husband. In Joel, He's the baptizer with a Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, He's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, He's the mighty to save. In Jonah, He's our great missionary. In Micah, He's the messenger of beautiful feet. 
In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he's our savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain opened in the house of David. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's our justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's our redeemer. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he's the fullness of God bodily. In First and Second Thess- Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he's our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's our great physician. In First and Second Peter, he's our chief shepherd. In First, Second, and Third John, he's love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. And in Revelation, he's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. And did you get all that? But that's who he is. In His fullness, described everywhere. He's in every book. It points to Jesus. It speaks of Jesus. And it gives us truth of the hope that He is in there for us. He loves us. Now I want to look at four words that speak of the importance of the Scripture. Uh, The first one is revelation. And here's the significance of revelation. Revelation is God revealing Himself to us. Giving His truth to us. He accomplished uh, that through speaking, as we look in the scriptures, through illustrations, and even through writing. It talks about that the Ten Commandments were etched on stone, and Moses brought them down the mountain as God revealed his truth. This is not just a book written by people, this is God speaking. And it's not that the Bible has spoken, it's that the Bible speaks. It makes all the difference as God works. Um, secondly is the word inspiration. And the word inspiration means that God spoke to specific people and through them He recorded His truth. Amazing that He used their personality. He worked through those people in order to save for us what He had to say in perfect form, what He wants us to know that's recorded, that's given to us. And of course, the verse we looked at last week, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, coming from His mouth. It's from Him. Another verse I want us to look at is 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 20 and 21. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Scripture tells us here that those writers that God used It it wasn't their own interpretation, but they were carried along as God spoke. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
as we look at his prophecy, and I didn't, as a revelation, of course, closes with that, that prophecy that which is to come, those last days, that speak of God coming. And those truths that we have, they come because God spoke. God spoke to these people and then pinned through them what we have. That, that word carried along, it is a word picture of a ship that's at sea that doesn't have a sail and is being carried along by the currents and the wind, not able to go where it chooses, but is being carried along by the currents and the wind. And thus these men... They were carried along by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit guided them and, and led them in, in the truth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16 and uh, speaks about God working and revealing His truth. He says, however it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. What God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we may understand what God's freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's what we have. That's the inspiration. And third word here out of the four is illumination. The word is true, but in order for it to click, for us to understand the truth, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit has to teach us has to open our ears and our hearts so that it makes sense, so that it connects. Uh, John 16, verse 13, Jesus makes the promise of the Holy Spirit who is to come and how He will reveal. And, and that whole section of Scripture, the work of the Holy Spirit, verses 5 through 16, but I just want to look at verse 13. It says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. You see, the Holy Spirit, He makes the truth come alive so that we get it. So, so that it, 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 I, I remember uh, when church I was at, it, it was uh, one of the things, that, it, just such a blessing. Uh, when it was time for us to go, this one dear lady came up to me and said, you have been such a blessing to me because as I've listened to you share the Bible, I understand. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not me. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And that's what happens. The Holy Spirit makes it come alive, connect. Uh, last one is application. It's not enough just to hear the Word. It's not enough just to read the Word and study the Word. The Word has to become a part of us. You see, there's a difference between growing old in the Lord and growing up in the Lord. You can be a believer for years and years and grow old in the Lord, 
but not grow up in the Lord. You can stay immature. You can go through the Bible and the Bible not go through you. And that's a tragedy. There are some people who are believers for years and and never grow up in the Lord. If you look at the the book of Corinthians, you had a bunch of immature Christians. And you come to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, Paul really, he is sharing and, and, and he's upset with the fact that of their immaturity. He just wants them to grow up. He's tired and he's weary. He starts out, he says, Brothers, I I can't address you as spiritual, but as worldly. He says, You guys are mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. You weren't ready for it. He says, You're still not ready. You're still worldly. He says, There's still jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? He says, Are you not acting like mere men? He, he, he talks about their bickering, how, how they're not growing in the Lord. You see, their problem was not that they didn't have spiritual truth. They had spiritual teachers. He mentioned Paul and Apollos. He mentioned these spiritual teachers. It wasn't the lack of truth. It was the lack of living it. It was the lack of putting it into practice. It was a lack of being who you are. That's, that's where they were hurting. That's what, what they were missing. And, 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 and that was so foundational. And, and, and that was so key. You see, when the Scripture becomes a part of our lives, when God connects us to His mind, to His ways, to His laws, His truth, we're changed. We don't stay the same. We're different. Faith that makes no difference makes no difference. And that's not God's intent. You know, you guys know the verse. It says that the one who's, who's born again, he, he, he's new. He's a new person. He changes you. There's a transformation that happens in God's Word. I close with this story and the importance of application. It goes back to the story of a ship, an English ship called the Bounty. It set still in 17, um, I think it was 87, 77, 1877. And had some fruit-bearing trees on the ship and their goal was to go to this tropical island and to take these trees. But when the sailors got there, they fell in love with paradise. And they fell in love with some of the island girls there. And they didn't want to leave. And there was an actual mutiny. And uh, the captains, you know, like, we got to go. And they said, no. So they just put him on a raft and a couple other people, and most of them stayed behind. And somehow he managed to navigate his way back to another colony and eventually ended up back in London. And they sent a ship out to find these guys so that they could charge them with their crimes. But in the meantime, there was complete chaos because there was no moral fiber. And uh, nine of the men actually went to another island. And um, they had managed to make whiskey from some of the plants on the island. And, uh, man, the, it was just crazy. It just Basically, everybody was laying around drunk and illegitimate um, children and, and just a breakdown of any kind of uh, family. And they just about destroyed themselves until of the nine, there was only one Englishman who lived. 
and then of course there were some children and some other a few other natives and this one Englishman he was in despair because he watched people just you know die from the abuses and he found a Bible in one of the sailors' belongings and he sat down and he he just kept reading the Bible till he read through it and he was so moved by what he read that he was changed. And he actually set up a, a school where everybody on the island came and that's what they did. They learned the Bible. And not only did they learn what the Bible had to say, they took it to heart and began to live the truths that they discovered in the Bible. So much so that they didn't discover, the British didn't discover the island for another 20 years. And when they came back, what they found was amazing place that really was like a paradise there were people there who were living in harmony there were people there who were in their right minds there there were people there who cared for one another there were people there in a land that almost people who almost destroyed themselves were totally transformed because the bible went through them and that's the call still for us as the church It's not enough that we go through the Bible. The Bible must go through us. That is key to reaching a world where there's no truth. The truth must be illustrated through you and through me. The truth must be made alive. It must be applied. God's given it to us, but it has to go through us. To touch a world. And, and that's a challenge I, I give to you this morning as the altar is open uh, to pray or to come forward. What is the Bible to you? How long has it been since you picked it up? Do you really stop and think about, hey, man, this is a book where God revealed himself and it's actually been recorded by people that he worked through and it's there for us and He wants to make it come alive through the power of the Holy Spirit, illuminate it, and He wants it to change our lives as it's applied. And is that, what's, is that what's happening? And if it's not, why not? Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we think about truth this morning, as we look at our own lives, Lord, we all get lazy. And Father, we don't think of the Scripture as life, truth. Father, we can't be transformed if, Father, we're not willing to listen to you, Lord. Give us ears. Give us a heart. Help us, Lord, to pick up your book, Lord, to let you speak to us, Father, and then to obey. God, um, we live in a world that is hungering for truth. Father, may we feed upon your word, and may we be changed, Lord. It's not enough, Father, just to hear your word. Father, your word must be taken to heart. And I pray you do that this morning, Lord. As we come before you, Father, may you have the freedom to speak to us in your power. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand there, Him of